much love. Don't you know how sweet and wonderful life can be? I'm asking you, baby, to get it on with me. I ain't gonna worry. I ain't gonna push. So come on, come on, come on, baby. Stop beating around the bush. Let's get it on. It's episode 25, season four of Ravage Love. We're getting it on because we're planning parenthood this week, Julie. Hi! Hello! Welcome to Ravage Love. Yes, this week our theme is planned parenthood, aka people planning on procreating and monsters. monsters in this case. And I'm delighted because this week I actually took some direction from Renee in my choice of book. Um, and so I read about monsters, which I wouldn't normally have done on my Yay. own. Um, But also, this is our reminder that uh, here at Ravage Love, we are a intersectional feminist podcast, which means we absolutely support the right to abortion while we're talking Planned Parenthood. Also, we are Canadians, and it is important for people to understand that Planned Parenthood, some Planned Parenthoods do exist in Canada, but they do not perform abortions. They just refer. And the reason why I say this is because I have had multiple friends over the years work for Planned Parenthood Ottawa. Shout out to PPO. And whenever there's some sort of shenanigan going on in the US, um, sometimes it means people like giving donations to Planned Parenthood Ottawa, which is really great. But more often than not, whenever there's some sort of shenanigan going on, they get copious amounts of hate mail because anti-choice people are ding-dongs and think... Yes, let's tell these people they can't perform abortions. So Renee and I support abortions whenever, wherever you'd like. Get a fucking stamp card. Get 10 and get a free one for all we give a shit. We do not care. Um, But just know that um, what's going on in the U.S. is very much not the case here in Canada. Um, And so if you are looking to get an abortion in Canada, don't despair if you can't find a Planned Parenthood because they ain't it in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, big shout out to that rapper that sang that murder song in front of the Planned Parenthood. Loved that. It was a lot of fun. Um, absolutely agree. Also, shout out to Megan the Stallion, who has every single award show and concert over the past year has gone on some made some sort of statement to get bands off our bodies. And nice. It ooh, it like makes me tear up. Like, there was one short, like, literally less than 30-second speech that she gave at, like, the People's Choice Awards or something, or Billboard Music Awards. She won, went up there looking hot as fuck, because I think Megan Thee Stallion is, like, the hottest woman alive. Goes out there just looking hot as shit, and then she was like, thank you so much, and then someone yells, like, we love you! And she's like, yeah, girl, hot girl shit. Um, Bands off our bodies, ah! And then walks off the stage, and I was like, is this the greatest human being I've ever met. <laughs> and then when she was playing at Glastonbury, right after Roe v. Wade was overturned, she she started her show with this like huge rant about like, uh, fuck them. And then got the whole crowd to be like, bands off our bodies, fuck the Supreme Court. Like she is the best. I am obsessed mm-hmm. with her. Uh, I think she's incredibly talented, incredibly beautiful, super smart. Um, But also ended up being um, an incredible spokesperson for reproductive rights. <laughs> On that note, I'm super stoked because on October 15th, she's hosting SNL as both the musical guest and the host. 
So I'm really hopeful that in her monologue, she can like lay into Roe v. Wade and shitty policies um, because I expect nothing less from Tina Snow, a.k.a. Megan the Stallion. Um, So, yes. So let us reiterate what we've been saying for the past like three years of our podcast, which is we are feminist as fuck. Um, And I don't want to speak for your book, Renee, but I can say with confidence that the book I read this week, it very much was Planned Parenthood. It was very consensual. This person very much wanted to be pregnant, so I had no icky, sad feelings about it. Yay! Yay! Reproductive rights! Woo! Um, Let's uh, get into it. Do you want to get into it? Yeah. So, as I said, I read this book because you told me about it. I didn't realize it was so new, though. So, I read Found by the Lake Monster by Lillian Lark, and it came out in June of this year. I didn't know it was that fresh. So, June 2022... Uh, Lillian Lark is from the saltiest city in Utah, which I kind of love. Um, <laughs> and the sous-titre of this particular song is a love bathhouse monster romance. Mm-hmm. There were no bathhouses in my book, so I found that part a bit confusing. <laughs> really? Okay. There was okay. A and I was like, I thought bathhouses are where people fuck in a bath, but um, here we are. So, Amy is an accountant who wants to be adventurous. She's like, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but my great aunt really told me to just like grab life by the balls. And so one of my clients um, has a security firm um, where they do surveillance and also paranormal investigations. Yes. Your fucking favorite. Um, and so they invited her as the accountant invited her to come on one of their little paranormal excursions where they're going into the woods near this lake to look for a lake monster. And Amy was like, you know what? I'm going to lean into yes. This is going to be the year of yes. But she's nervous because it's dark and she has to go with people. She doesn't really know. But really, she's a little bit excited because Amy's secret love is reading shit tons of monster erotica she has many monster fucking uh sex toys she writes a little bit of fan fiction so part of her is like like monsters aren't real but also if they are real kind of want to see one but not for the same reasons as everyone else so she accepts and she's wandering through the woods and then all of a sudden she feels something crawling on her and it's just, she can't figure out if it's like that she stepped into a spider web or what, but it's dark. She gets freaked out. She drops her flashlight and just bolts and starts running. And then she realizes she also dropped her walkie-talkie and is like, oh, oh no. fuck, I'm going to be separated from the group. I don't know where I am. Dumb, dumb. And then keeps was like, okay, well, I'm just going to run until I run into people. And then boom, runs into someone um, and starts feeling around and this has the man of a voice, like a man's voice, and is like, sounds very like husky and masculine, but she's like, what the fuck? And then she realizes it's a monster. It's a lake monster, in fact. And he is described basically as the fish from The Shape of Water, <laughs> replete <laughs> with a Voldemort, a Voldemort nose situation. And she's kind of like, what the fuck? I must have hit my head. I must have hit my head when I was running and I slipped at one point. I must have hit my head. This is crazy. This is not actually happening. This can't be happening. 
And then it gets even more confusing when the lake monster basically is like, oh my God, so sorry. I didn't see you there. I didn't think you'd be here so early. If you did, like if I knew that, I would have come out to meet you. I'm so sorry. I know it's awkward to make you come to my house, but I'm in heat right now. So I can't leave the territory, but oh my God, I'm so excited to meet you. And, and she's like, what the fuck? What do you mean meet you? I don't fucking know you. Um, and he's like, hi, I'm Adrian. And she has this mo- <laughs> moment where she's like, do I tell him the truth or do I just run with the fact that this guy is hot and fulfilling all of my lake monster fantasies? So she was like, yeah, fuck it. Hi, I'm Amy shakes his webbed hand. And then he's like, let's go back to my cabin. So she goes back to the cabin and they, she loves it. It's like beautifully decorated. But then when she sees him in the light, she's like, this is legit a lake monster. And he's like talking to me like we're just on a date and he's so romantic and he's so chivalrous and there's just so much sexual chemistry between them. Um, But also she's like, his real date's going to show up any minute now, blow my cover. And then what the fuck do I do? I'm in the woods with no walkie talkie, no cell phone reception. And I don't know where my group went. So they start chatting. Turns out he's also an accountant, but only for monsters. Um, And (laughs) so they sort of bond over that. Um, and then he finally, she could see that he's like sweating a lot. And she's like, it's warm because there's like, you know, wood fire going, but like, it's not that hot. And then he's kind of like, look, um, you know, the matchmaker set us up and, you know, I know you're a witch, so you understand that I'm in heat, um, but I need you to know that this might be my last heat because I'm getting older. So no pressure, but kind of want to fuck and make a baby and she's like shockingly super into it and surprising herself but she's also like but i'm on the pill and like i also like have a career and so i don't really know that i can have a baby right now um and he's like it's okay i understand and she's like but you're so hot and then she starts making out with him um and then she's like having a time and she's like oh my god and he's like i'm horny and she's horny and then and then the phone rings and it's the matchmaker saying so sorry the witch it turns out she couldn't make it and like you know i don't think it's fair to set you up with someone who's so flaky so don't worry i'll send someone else in a few days i'm so sorry for the mix-up then turns to her and she's like i can explain and he's like i don't care let's just fuck i was like okay um and then he's like are you ready for my eggs she gasped and let me tell you so did i uh, <laughs> and then he realizes they are probably not compatible and she's a human and not a witch and the fact that she's so freaked out by the very concept of eggs means she's not into it so he's like you need to leave so he she's like no 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 and he's like you need to leave so he gives her her clothes and he starts walking her into the woods and she tells him everything like i'm so sorry i lied to you i just the chemistry was amazing and i wanted to see where this would go and he's like no it's fine it's just you know we're not compatible anyway then they're walking through the woods and boom who do they run into but her friends and she's standing there with a fucking lake monster which was the whole point of them going on this trip so they're like uh uh who is this and she was like oh sorry thinks very quickly on her feet and it's like this is my boyfriend we thought we'd do a little like shape of water cosplay just to kind of fuck with you guys. So I could be like, look, I found the lake monster and it's actually my boyfriend in a costume. <laughs> and they were like, okay, it's not really that funny, but like, it's a pretty good costume. And he's like, yeah, thanks. Then his neighbor comes out and now she's thinking, oh, fuck. Now he's going to blow the car. Like, what's happening? 
turns out the neighbor looks like a human being but is also involved in the magic world so he Ooh. says oh my god yes um I, I actually wanted to come and chat with you about your cosplay because i'm also going to a convention soon so uh do you mind if i just ask you some questions and so the rest of the group is like okay are you gonna meet up with us like should we stay here and she's like no no go ahead i'll meet up with you after then goes Whew. and the neighbor is like dude that's your mate I can feel it from here. That's your mate. And he's like, but she's a human. He's like, that's your mate. Get it on like Donkey Kong. So they do. <laughs> um, then they go back into the house and um, he's like, can you stay for the duration of my heat? And she's like, I will. <laughs> I, turns out between the two of them, she only has one condom and she has one condom in her purse. So they fuck. And part of his monster dick is that he just oozes shit tons of like lube, basically. So oh. it's like pre-cum that's also an aphrodisiac. So she's just like hornier than she's ever been in her entire life. So they have this one condom, they bang it out. And then later on she wants to bang again, but they don't have a condom left. So then she blows him and then is like chugging like gallons of this goo. Um, then she's like, I don't know what else we can do. And he's like, did you find another condom? She's like, no, you can, we can do anal. So then he does that and they're all into it. Uh, and then he thinks, okay, I think I've, I think, <laughs> I think we've, and she's like, can you lay eggs in my butt? And he's like, no, I can't. And she's like, okay, good. So then they do that. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, I think my heat is receding. I think we're good. I think I'm like, okay. And then she's like, oh God, I just like really need you inside me. So then he starts fucking her and then realizes, oh no, I'm still in heat. And he's like, I'm going to drop an egg. And she's like, do it. And he's like, no, but you're not ready. And she's like, do it. So they do their intense like nodding ceremony where his giant dick and like a knot at the bottom instead of balls like goes inside <laughs> of her and then like knots her and then it goes into her cervix, which apparently is pleasurable, but sounds terrible. Sounds like an IUZ insertion. I'm like, no, thank you. Um, and then he like drops an egg on her and then <laughs> she's like, I'm going to have a baby. And, and then he's like, actually, you because you're a human being, you can only actually keep the pregnancy going if you take this potion and so like are you sure sure and she's like it's all i've ever wanted so she chugs the potion she has the baby who they name toby which i was like <laughs> why that was the most eye-rolling part of the whole book i do not know um so the, the, like epilogue is like toby is frolicking in the lake because he's a lake monster and then Seamus, the neighbor, comes by and he was like, I'm just going to take Toby for the day. And she's like, that's kind of weird. And then winks at um, Adrian. And then Adrian's like, yeah, I think I have another heat coming. And she's like, I thought you were done. And he's like, me too. But I guess Seamus could also like sense my pheromones or some shit. So she's like, let's make another baby. So they do. And then they're like post-coital like hanging out. And then she's like, let's make a second baby. So then he fucks her again and they have two. And then it ends with her having two eggs, I guess, twins um, growing inside her. And she's like, yay, I live in a cottage with the amphibian from Shape of Water <laughs> and a lake monster baby named Toby. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I hear the name Toby. I think of that ding dong who worked in HR from the office. That's where I go right away. Um, also, just like a baby lake monster is almost like kind of adorable to me because it had like a little baby fin and it was like Aww. catching fish in the water and i was like look mama 
Um, and she's like, get it, Toby. Uh, so in terms of spice, I really don't get off on monsters fucking. I, and it's not a, like I don't yuck people's yums. I'm like, there's weird shit that we've read that I'm like, okay, I can see. But I struggle with this one. So I'm going to give it three out of five spicy stews because fish stew is a specialty. It's what he makes on their first date. And in Whoa. terms of the sex toy, because the only scene that I actually found quite hot was like when they couldn't fuck because she didn't want to get pregnant. Um, so I guess at one point she's like grinding against his thigh while he jerks off with a fleshlight, which like, <laughs> I was like, how does a lake monster have a fleshlight? I have so many questions. Um, so uh, the, the sex accessory that i'm going to put with this particular book is uh, a flashlight um because i was like oh god haven't heard about one of those in a long time so um yeah that was found by the lake monster by lillian lark as per usual i recommend folks check out our instagram and twitter because the cover of this one actually looks like the romance cover that your friend made for you and i <laughs> so it looks like it could yeah. be like me in a petticoat like being like hugged from behind by a lake monster uh it's like a cartoon <laughs> it's delightful um yeah i mean it was very well written and the dialogue wasn't hokey at all and you know it was very new it came out in june so it talked about you know when she was debating whether or not to go on this excursion with those people she's like well what else am i gonna do stay home another friday night and just watch stranger things and i was like love that um but it's just i can't uh, nodding someone through their cervix and dropping eggs into them and shit. I, I can't. I can't find it hot. I've tried. I tried real hard, but I can't. So don't knock it till you try it, Julie. I know, and I did, and I'm um, good. Um, good. That's where I've landed. But um, overall, not. It was about 120 pages or something. So it took like an hour and a half or something to read. It was very like enjoyable read. Like I said, like it was well written. So if there were other things by Lillian Lark that were not monsters, which I, from Googling, does not appear to be the case, but um, I would certainly, if you're into monster romance, if you think it's hot or just like, you're like, I don't know if I think it's hot and I might want to try it. I would recommend this one because she's a first timer. <laughs> so it feels like a good sort of introduction as to whether or not this is your kink, but I can confidently conclude not my kink. <laughs> did you ever read the pisces by melissa broder though no but you told me to and i think i took it out from the library or like and i didn't have a chance to read it before i had to bring it back or something didn't she also write like milk yes i feel like if you didn't like what you read this week don't read the pisces oh did she also fuck broder. a fish she does oh boy she does it's a lot it's a more of like an oral situation and melissa broder is very liberal with her descriptions of scent in all of her books. Oh. Um, so if that's not for you, don't read the Pisces. Okay. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but uh, that's because I like monster erotica. So. Well, I mean, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the conclusion um, of this book is not just that she's pregnant with babies and having more babies and more and more babies um she also spends her time writing monster romance fan fiction <laughs> and yeah. just and has been publishing books and doing quite well because she clearly speaks from experience so there is a whole there's demand for it it's a whole subgenre that has thousands and thousands of books but yeah and i'm working my way through that list so, <laughs> so what did you end up reading this week oh 
just a little something called Deceived by the Gargoyles, <laughs> which is also a bathhouse book from Lily and Lark. Incredible. And so I can tell you what the bathhouse is. Okay. Um, that's that's where the matchmaker lives. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the matchmaker the matchmaker works for free in exchange. Um, she collects magic from the successful matches because they have to go fuck in the bathhouse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Grace goes to the bathhouse because Grace comes from a very affluent uh, witch family and they weren't kind to her um, growing up. They really just kind of used her, you know, uh, in terms of like, you know, furthering their position in the witch community. So Grace has like made a point to be independent from her family and she works as like a librarian at an archiving place. She's a good friend named Amelia. Uh, but she's decided that, you know, dating hasn't worked out for her. Dating like witch men has been really shitty. So she's going to uh, go to this matchmaker. And the matchmaker is actually somebody she went to school with. So she knows them. And um, they're both paper witches, which means they glean information or use paper in their magic. So in Grace's case, she can touch paper and she can glean whatever emotions existed when whatever's on the paper was put down. If that makes sense. Um, so she goes to this matchmaker and she's like, I got a list. And the matchmaker's like, okay, this is good. Like, you know, would you ever consider like multiple partners? And she's like, no, no, no. Like one partner for me, please. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I've got your list and I can see what you're looking for. So I'll be in touch. And she's like, okay. So she leaves. Um, and she gets back to her office and, um, there's like flowers waiting for her. And it's from this guy that she had like a single date with, but he was shitty. So she was like, there's not going to be a second date. Don't contact me. So she's a little put off that he's sending flowers, but whatever. So she gets an email and she's been matched. She's been matched on somebody named Elliot and Elliot is really everything she's been looking for. She meets him at like this restaurant she's never even heard of. And she's worried that, you know, she's, he's going to like think less of her because she dresses very like, you know, over the top and it's sort of like her armor and, um, you know, she's a bigger gal. So she's worried that like, oh, you know, what if he thinks I eat too much or like, what if he doesn't like what I'm wearing? And this restaurant's totally different for her because like, even the wait staff is really cool about her being there. Like nobody's snickering, nobody's making jokes about her and she's having a good time. So she goes to this uh, date and Elliot's just like, whoa, you're beautiful. Um, and so she's kind of like, well, this just looks like a regular man. And I know he's not, uh, you know, I know he's not a witch. So she's like, hey man, like, what are you? Like, what's your deal? And he's like, oh, I'm a gargoyle. And she's like, but you look like a man. He's like, well, it's a glamour. I wear like, I have a special glamour ring and it makes me look like a man. And he's like, she's like, oh, okay. And, but she's like into it because frankly, like he's, you know, everything, right? He likes to eat. He's funny. He's all these things. And he's very family oriented. So Elliot belongs to a clan of gargoyles, but they're all kind of like like a found family situation. Um, so there's like other gargoyle, gargoyles who had been like abandoned or kicked out of their 
original clans and they found a home in at this place. And so the way he describes their family and the love that's in it is kind of like everything that she's ever wanted. Right. Um, and she's just like so horny for this guy. She's like, yeah, okay. I'm here for this. This is what I want. Um, and so they have a good night and they decide to like meet again. Then the story shifts to Elliot's perspective. And the reason it shifts to Elliot's perspective is that Elliot is not really single. Elliot is part of a triad of gargoyles. Um, Their clan leader had recently died. And when a gargoyle dies, they turn to stone. Um, They can also turn to stone in the event that like they're healing, like they've been injured and they need to heal. But in this case, their clan leader and also his lover um, is dead. He's dead. He's a statue in their attic. Um, so there's just been like this imbalance in the home. So Elliot is also mates with Al, Alistair and Broderick, also gargoyles. And they live with these two other, like these elderly people. Um, and then one of them's like an elderly gargoyle and the other one's an elderly human. So he's scheming and he, they don't like it when he does this because he has a long history of scheming and like being manipulative and stuff, not necessarily in a negative way, but in like a, please let's do the thing that I want kind of way. So they, so Alistair and um, Broderick get the sense that something's up with their sweet baby boy. Um, but they're still really sad about the loss of, Al- of um, Lachlan, who is their clan leader. So they're like, okay, well let's just keep an eye on it. Um, but meanwhile, uh, Grace is like, I want to fuck this guy so badly, but he's like not into me. Like, I don't understand what's going on. And so her friend Amelia is like, look, man, like you got to just go for it. Like you want to have babies, you want to have this family. And like, if he's not ready to be intimate with you and you guys have all this chemistry, then like something's up. So they go out for dinner again and she's like, so we're a successful match. So like, when should we book a time to go, uh, to the bathhouse? And he's just like, Oh shit. Um, well, we can't go yet. Um, because I haven't told my family about you. And she's like, Oh God, he's embarrassed about me. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's just that it's really important that you meet my family. I really want them to love you. Um, but really his motivation is that he wants her to join their triad and become a polycule together. <laughs> Um, but he feels like they're supposed to be together. Like they're, they're fated to be mated. So one night he takes her to like this building that he and his, uh, lovers are working on because they have this like construction company cause they're fucking gargoyles. So what else are they going to do with their lives, but work with like renovations? I don't fucking know, but here we are. So he, she take, he takes her to this like cathedral that they're building and he's told them she's he's told her that like he the people he lives with are his brothers that they were all adopted and they're his brothers and so he wants to show her like the building that they're working on and she's just like blown away and um she like walks by the the other construction guys who are at the door who are also like paranormal guys one's like a snake man and one's like an ogre <laughs> oh shrek okay <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, she's like taking a look around and then they're like, hey, boss, can you come sign this thing? And he's like, OK, I'll be right back. So she's going to explore and she runs in to Broderick and he is not in a glamour. He is in his full gargoyle form and he's like, oh, well, well, hello. And he's like, oh, you must be the secret that um, Elliot's been keeping. And she's like, I maybe. Yeah, he told me that he hadn't told you about our relationship and. You know, um, it's nice to meet his brother. And he's like, oh, his brother. Okay. All right. Yeah. It was nice to meet you too. And he's like really flirty and shit. And then um, Elliot shows up and he's like, hey, buddy. Like, And he's like, oh, hi, brother. How's it going? And he plays into it. He's like, well, you better get a move on because Alistair's on his way down. And he's like, oh, no, because Alistair's the new clan leader. And he's he's a dom. I'm just going to put that out there. He's just like very serious and he gets shit done so they're so grace has gone downstairs and then the ogre and the snake guy are she's like oh i ran into his brother and they're like that's not his brother she's like what do you mean and they're like that's his lover and she's like oh my god so she's upset so she's like i'm gonna run out of the house so she goes around the house and she runs into alistair and she's like oh hey man (laughs) and she's really like horny for this guy too um but alistair's pissed because he's like my lover was keeping secrets from us and he's like not happy about it right um and so the book kind of goes on where you know they decide that they're all gonna court grace and grace is open to it and she's super horny for these guys um and then meanwhile there's this subplot with this the witch that she dated who was like sending her flowers like he wouldn't let up and then he his like stalking becomes more aggressive and violent and she feels less safe in her home uh but still really desperately wants to be independent so it forces her to go stay with the gargoyles and like develop her relationship with them um and meanwhile they're like helping her to kind of like tear down her um feelings around why she can't just like accept the help or like why she's downplaying the fact that she's being stalked by this guy and so they kind of work at you know helping her feel worthy of that and so like a mantra she has throughout the book is like i'm a badass witch and i'm worthy of love and she's she's like constantly trying to remind herself of that because her parents did a fucking number on her frankly you know as far as her self-esteem is concerned so the story goes on and uh, she decides like she really wants to be with these gargoyles because they're fucking spicy and um she decides like yeah we gotta we gotta do this um, and then she's also having trouble because like she, her best friend is a human and in their world, they don't tell humans about the paranormal world because they worry that it could like upset them, um, because it's a lot to handle. And so she never tells her friend, but after meeting the human woman that lives in their house, she's like, okay, I'm going to tell my friend. Um, then she's at work one day and her car gets like, f- like fucked up. Somebody slashes the tires and writes like monster fucker all over her car and she's like oh my god like this is going way too far and the director of the library she works at is like you need to take a vacation like it's paid but like you need to just go be safe we house like a lot of really precious things here you're clearly not safe like please just go home and come back when things are different and so she's like okay so she moves in with the gargoyles full time and uh that's when she like develops her relationships with them a bit more and she's doing good but then one day she gets a phone call from a blocked number and she's like i'm not answering this and then it calls again and she answers it and it's her friend from work's mom 
who's like, have you heard from Amelia? I have, I can't get a hold of her. She should be home by now. Like somebody called, a man called for you and said that like, you need to pick up the phone. And so Grace is like, oh my God, what the fuck? So she um, answers the phone and he's like, hey, it's me. It's Theo. Um, and I have your human friend here. So you need to get down here and you need to do what I want or I'm going to sell her as a slave to the fairy folk. And she's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, you know what I want? I want to be married to you because he wants access to like her fortune and everything. Right. And she's like, that's not going to happen. But they have this ceremony in their culture, which is soul bonding. So if you soul bond to somebody like you're bonded for life. So if he dies, she dies like she can't get out of it, basically. Um, so she's like, fine. So they come up with this plan with like another friend of theirs that they're going to go and save her friend. And uh, so they do. Um, but then Theo, like the gargoyles come in and they know they can't kill him because um like that looks really bad and there's like this whole council and they don't want to get in trouble but he does end up dying because he takes grace as a hostage and then she like zaps him with like a stun gun but as she does he like puts together this ball of magic that's gonna like it's like death magic or whatever and he shoots it at her but she dodges it and it hits the clan leader alistair and he turns to stone and everybody's like oh no and so theo dies good and then the council shows up and they're like the fuck is going on here like we're gonna have to charge this guy and this gargoyle and she's like no he's my mate and so she claims him as her mate which nobody's like claimed a mate yet so it's a big deal and uh so they're like is he dead like what's going on so they bring his statue home and um they put it in the attic next to their former clan leader and they're all hoping he's going to come back because they're hoping he's just healing. But they're not sure. And so one night Grace goes upstairs and she's like, I love you. You need to come back because I love you. And what do you know? Fucking does. And then doesn't mince worse. He picks her up. Then the other gargoyles show up and they all go and they fuck. And they take off Grace's little like birth control ring that she wears around her neck and they breed her and um the epilogue of the book is that they go to the bathhouse to fulfill their end of the um i don't know the contract the you know the matchmaking contract um but the i thought here's the thing i thought the epilogue was going to be about how she had a baby gargoyle yeah twas not it was about them going to the bathhouse and doing anal oh because they had to work up to it because gargoyles, you see, have humongous penises proportional to their gargoyle bodies. Um, and they also, they, they too have knots. Um, listen, it's, it's to hold the semen in. Oh. Yeah, to keep them pregnant. Jesus. So you can get locked on a knot for about 20 minutes, it says in the book. But um, my only critique of the story, because it was very well written, there weren't like, too many characters it had a really good story the the subplot was really really scary like the stalking subplot was very scary but i really loved how all of the people in her life kept believing her and pointing out how serious the situation was when she downplayed it 
um, and they didn't give up on her and they all had their own like trauma and stuff and they all like were patient with each other. It was beautiful. My only critique, it was nonstop fucking in this book oh. and it was over 400 pages. Okay, but knowing you and the show, how is that a critique? It was, it was just too much? Like it was like cut it out and get more plot? Like... No, because it was so spicy, Julie. Like, it was so spicy. And it was just nonstop. And I was like, shit, like, I need to take a break again, like, from this book. Um, go look at some of my monster toys upstairs. Like, I, it was just, it was so much. And it was so spicy. <laughs> so, and I'm trying to, like, power through this book. I uh, Like, I started it yesterday. And I had to power through it for today. Um, so it was just like my brain has just been pounded <laughs> with gargoyle sex because it wasn't just it wasn't just Grace having sex. It was also the gargoyles having sex with each other. Jeez. So we had like guy on guy. We had girl on guy. We had threesomes. We had like the whole fucking polycule. We had DP. We had nodding. We had breeding. We had everything. <laughs> and they have like these huge fucking tongues and like just eating her out left right and center like even when they weren't fucking they were showing up and eating her out like it was just non-stop and i was like i like it was too it was too much for a lonely single woman like myself to cram into a weekend i got nothing else done all nothing. i could think of when you were saying that was full stefan from snl where you're like this <laughs> club has everything <laughs> This book had everything, and it's by the same author as as you. I because I, I love the covers. I saw these covers, and I was like, these are fantastic. Um, and then it just so happened that they were about makeup babies, so it was perfect. But mine's like, could be me on the cover, <laughs> a woman being caressed by a gargoyle. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of amazing. I really liked it. I really liked so it. So you're was making not expecting... it a five out of five on the old spice, I'm assuming? hundred okay. percent. Like, no, a six out of five. <laughs> oh, wow. The spice in this book went up to 11 and it was just so, it was too much. Like talking about it, I'm like getting blushy. Like it's just like, Ooh, okay. it was a lot. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. And like, there was just like aftercare and Ooh, like all that was this. written in and like aftercare and like consent, like everything was like, are you okay with this? Even though that had like, that dommy aspect to it it was it was still like is it okay if i do this like this thing looks hard you haven't done it so we're gonna work up to it over time like that's why like they didn't have anal right off the bat they like saved it for the bathhouse like they also like got her some special magic salve and there's like a whole scene after she's been like knotted for the first time and she's really sore she's at work and one of them shows up with magic salve and like erotically applies it to her while she's at work, but like doesn't fuck her. Just like puts this cream on her so she's not in pain from this experience. And he's like, you'll never be able to get this for yourself. This is a gift from me to you because I'm courting you and it's my job to always make sure it's full and always make sure that you have it. And I was just like, oh my God, how do I get my hands on a gargoyle? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. my last question is mm -hmm. then what accoutrement are you putting with this bad boy? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say some lube. Oh and yeah. yeah, some uh like a like a like a nodding dildo because you can buy them. 
I know I have one. <laughs> and I bought it when I was still drinking a lot. So um <laughs> also I just need to say that mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. gargoyles are mentioned, yeah. all I think of is Jason Alexander voicing <laughs> the gargoyle from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which I owned as a plushie for many years. Oh my And God. it was like hard plastic <laughs> almost. And people would be like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, well, I didn't want a Quasimodo doll. <laughs> so my grandmother was like, oh, this is the Disney movie of this year. I'll get her some accessory for it. And it was Jason Alexander's fucking gargoyle from The Hunchback in Notre Dame. So the entire time you were talking about sexy gargoyles, I just pictured this little fucking gargoyle voiced by George costanza and it and they don't even have like feet in that movie they just like hop around flat yeah yeah. this one was like laid and it was like literally like a hard plastic almost and so it would sit on a table and it would just stand there with his little arms out (laughs) okay so you know go ahead i'm sorry i I watched gargoyles growing up and i loved that show um and so when i was reading her like author's note at the end it was like she was so horny for Goliath off that show that that's who these characters are. I was like, okay, I can see it. You're like, I can that see tracks. it. Yeah, yeah. That tracks. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that's incredible. So because it was 400 <laughs> pages of fucking, what are you going to read? I'm not reading fucking. Oh, wow. I'm, okay. I'm reading a precursor to that okay. because I just, I can't do it. We still have show to, to record and I can't just <laughs> go read more spicy. Take a little fucking. Just bounce for a bit. Yep. Yeah, Jesus. Okay. Here we go. Neither gargoyle wakes as I slip from the bed. The absence of Alistair uh, from our unit is too much for me to drift off. The sheets have stopped smelling of him. I put on my usual robe and creep out of the room. Bramblewick Manor remains silent tonight. The love that reverberates through the walls echoes with loneliness. Sorrow hangs in the air, soaking into the very manor. I climb the stairs and pass my workshop, heading to the turret. I do this every night, hoping that this moment will be the one that our clan leader returns to us. The others do the same at different times than I. I've caught them both talking to him, as if he can respond, telling uh, telling him about the business or my return to work. No one knows if he can really hear them, but talking must make them feel better. Other than my first plea, I have a harder time talking to him, but tonight, something about the dark shadows stabs deep at my heart. Maybe it's the discussions earlier, the mention of a bedroom next to the nursery with hope in the eyes of my mates, no matter that none of us have the heart to play intimate games past cuddling. We're dysfunctional. The way we move is out of sync. We're missing an integral piece, and without it, I strike a long match from the boxes kept here and light the candles placed in front of Alistair and Lachlan. The light dances over their faces. Each waver in the flame gives them the illusion of life. I come to stand right in front of my mate grief and something new and inappropriate forming in my chest. Anger. I part my lips and my confession falls from it. You don't get to stay like this, I whisper, and my voice cracks. It's not fair. You all are everything on my stupid list. The words echo in the sacred space. This is supposed to be when uh, when we start our life together. You made me trust you guys, trust that if I fell for you, if I went along with Elliot's strategy, that you'd catch me. And I wouldn't have to be so alone anymore. I hate these selfish feelings, but they're almost easier to take than the grief. The grief is never ending. And now I'm here, and it's everything you promised except you're missing, and nothing is okay. I hiccup. 
Fate or whatever gods don't let you take from me. I need you. I press my cheek to his stone palm, knowing it's wet from the stupid tears I can't help shedding. My next words are vehement and honest. I love you, Alistair Bramblewick, so you better wake up. The hand on my cheek roughens in texture and cracking sounds through the air. I stumble back as stone Alistair shatters with a mighty roar. Then they fuck! <laughs> Everybody shows up and they're like, boom, 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 all on top of each other, behind each other, in each other. It's beautiful. They make babies. Wow. Thank you so much. That was deceived by the gargoyles. I love bathhouse monster romance. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, um, I am reading something quite chaste as well. Uh, I'm going to read you a little uh, excerpt from when she runs into Adrian uh, in the woods. So recap, she's out with paranormal investigators and she feels something like touching her she thinks it's an animal or a spider or something so she gets freaked out she runs deeper into the woods it's pitch black and then boom she plows into someone um and so that's where we're at i'm no longer alone in the darkness my brain is concerned and tries to whisper things about serial killers but then there's something about the stranger that exudes safety my fight or flight response is probably broken after the night i've had that's quite all right that beautiful voice says are you okay I didn't think you'd gotten here yet, otherwise I'd have come to escort you. It's easy to get turned around here. I frown in the darkness. Is he one of the group? I don't recognize his voice, though. Let me get my phone so I can see you. Oh, allow me. I forget, not everyone has my night vision. My brain screams at me. Who has good enough night vision for a cloudy night? But I smile anyway, so my phone is picked up from the ground and turned upright. The stranger hands it to me. The light from it illuminates the two of us and it's confirmed that my fight or flight response is broken because I freeze. Actually, my brain supplies the something rather than someone was correct. I've died. I must have tripped during my run through the woods. I tripped and I hit my head or I fell down a well and I am dead. Either I'm dead, hallucinating, or I've found the lake monster. And he thinks he knows me because he keeps talking. I'm so relieved you came here. I know traveling somewhere so remote can be a pain, but my heat makes moving out of the territory. I I just, I really appreciate the concession, even though the matchmaker said our compatibility. His skin is pale from what's visible from the phone light with mottled markings in place of hair. His lips appear human-like, but I catch a flash of fangs as he smiles with chagrin. His face is flat where a nose would protrude with slits for nostrils. The most inhuman part of him though are his big black eyes. Translucent skin flashes over the dark orbs and I jump. Is it nictitating? Is that how you say it? Nictitating? Anyways, it says nictitating membrane. I'm going to assume that's that little membrane. That goes, that's a 25 cent word. <laughs> I was like, that's beyond my reach. But it speaks to the fact that Amy understands monsters. <clears throat> because that mystery is what my brain needed to solve right now. In person may differ. The lake monster scratches the back of his head in an awkward fidget. This is impossible. This hallucination is from reading all those monster romances. Does this mean I get to try out real monster cock instead of dildos? No, bad, Amy, bad, bad. I pinch myself covertly, but the lake monster is still in front of me. In a light-colored dress shirt, the skin of his face appears flushed. Oh, oh, uh, my apologies. I'm Adrian. The lake monster holds out his hand to me, five claw-tipped fingers with webbing in between. I blink... But impossibly, my body begins to thaw. 
Maybe it's the way he fidgets, his dress shirt, or my brain has abandoned me as being too stupid to live, but something about him puts me at ease. Intrigue keeps me where I am as much as surprise does. Amy! I grip his hand, expecting his skin to be cold, but it isn't. His texture is soft, moister than a human, but very warm. My heat. This hallucination is absolutely fucking with me. I meet a monster in the woods and he is literally breedable. I keep my snort to myself. My, stand, my hand is still in his as I stare at him, my brain going to places it really shouldn't. Adrian inhales almost as if he's scenting the air and that translucent membrane covers parts of his eyes in a way that communicates pleasure. His pale face flushes a darker color. I'm very glad to meet you, Amy. The timber of his voice drops and the sound is a caress over my ears. Um, so that is Adrian, the lake monster. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah i'm uh as longtime fans of the no show know in october we do what renee your october it's spooky reads only spooky reads only so we have one more week before we have a full month of spooky things like this so tell the folks what are we doing next week, Renee? Do you remember? Well, the gang is reading about bartenders next week, Julie. Yeah. Next week's books will feature bartenders beset in bars, um, people getting railed on bars. Lots of options. Lots of options. But bartending is what we will be talking about next week. And then we are going right into Iraqtober, where we're going to be reading spooky, slutty, filthy, 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 filthy stories. It's very fun. Yay. Yeah. People always love our October episodes. So um, if you're like me and you're not really much of a horror person, we usually find zany enough shit that it's very amusing. Um, and I am scared of my own shadow. So know that at least one book every week won't be too creepy because I do not have the constitution to be able to read those. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, it doesn't have to be scary. It just has to be spooky. Yeah, and I'm very much on the spooky end. You can be scared for both of us. But um, but yes, we will have one more week of uh, above board, not too spooky. So join us next week where we read about bartenders. Oh, it's going to be good. You want to sing us out? Sure do. Ravage love, ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.